If Hannah Mouncey were a typical young woman with dreams of a football career, she would have been thrilled to hear she was a topic of discussion on both AFL 360 and Footy Classified in recent weeks. In truth, she's not typical. She's a transgender female who has polarised the football world with her participation in the VFL women's competition. Welcome, Hannah. Mike, how you doing? How are you coping with all the attention? Uh, look, all right. I think the, uh, the longer it's gone on, the easier it's gotten. So that, that's been a real positive and um, playing footy again helps as well. You've are got you that group there. What's the word? To, are you surprised? Are you frustrated? Are you angry? Any of those? Uh, look, I think there's been varying emotions at the time, uh, depending when, you know what's going on. You know, I think there was a bit of anger and both surprise as well. Um, back in October, when the AFL decided to review the nomination because they'd already accepted it, so I was a bit thrown out by that. And then I think the entire last seven or eight months has been surprising how it's played out. I've, a year ago, no one knew who I was, so it's, it's mm. all a bit bizarre. But um, yeah, it's, it's getting better. Before we leave that, you said the AFL had decided it was okay for you to be to enter the draft, correct? Is that what, did I understand yeah, you yeah, correctly? Yeah, yeah. So back in June, um, June, July, it was around then. We, or the, I think it might have even been Melbourne, um, emailed the AFL, essentially asking, um, you know, if we could nominate for the draft. And, and Simon Lethlane was still in charge then, and. Um, our understanding was it had been approved and there was no question around that for a long time. Um, and then it was probably only maybe eight or nine days before the draft actually happened that we even were notified that there might be an issue. So it, it all happened very late. So um, Simon was the head of footy ops when you say he said that, yes, you could nominate for the draft. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So we... Essentially, I was trying with Melbourne at the time. They emailed off to say... Are we all good? Is it worth our effort? Um, he came back and said, yeah, absolutely, go for it. Um, and there were no issues, and that was to trial, to nominate for the draft, all that sort of stuff. Um, but like I said, I think when he left, there was obviously a lot going on. It was a very quick handover, um, all that sort of stuff, and very unexpected. So I think largely it probably just got lost um, because there were probably a lot more pressing issues at the time than that. Your strongest advocate is Angie Green. She was on AFL 360 recently. Yeah. Angie is the uh, daughter of the Hawthorne champ, Russell Green. Yep. Angie said, as I understand, there were several hundred death threats that have, you've prompted since you started playing women's football. Is, it, is that right? Um, yeah, not since I started playing women's football because I played last year in Canberra and, it, like I said, no one knew who I was. So it's really just since the, the draft nomination. And they tend to come in waves. So, you know, when there's something in the news, they tend to come in and then when there's not, they tend to die out a little bit. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, I don't sit there counting, but... It's easily up around that number. But yeah. did you take them seriously? No. 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 To put it, I think to put it in perspective, you know, you cop all this stuff online all the time, and um, you know that was to personal inboxes and emails and things like that. But um, you know, walking down the street, no one has once said anything. So mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of people happy to hide behind a keyboard and do that sort of stuff. And, sure. Yeah. But but it hasn't prompted you to stop following social media. No, I'm still on it. I mean, look, there was a time where I was living fairly remotely um, and so it was sort of my connection uh, to a lot of my friends in the world and things like that. Um, so, you know, it was sort of actually important in staying connected to people. Um, and you get a lot of support through social media too. It's not all negative. Um, so, you know, it has its pluses and minuses, but, you know, I'm still on there. I'm not on it 24 hours a day obsessing over it, but, you know, yeah, I'm still there. 
Let's have a brief history. Listen, you were born Callum Mouncey yeah, yeah. in Sydney in uh, 1989. Yeah. When did your the wrestling that you've done with your own personality, when did that take root? When did you decide that you wanted to live the rest of your life as a female? You know, looking back now, I would probably say I, I knew there was something, you know, even before you start school, you know, that sort of age. Um, but at the time, you know, it was the early 90s, you know, obviously I was very young, so I didn't know what it was. But, you know, there wasn't the language around, there wasn't the education. It's the same when I was going through school, you know, primary school, high school, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, so the language wasn't there. And also, you know, the messages coming through at that time probably weren't that positive either. Jerry Springer was probably the main method of, of seeing trans people. So it wasn't a great image that was put out. Um, but also, you know, I think there was a long time where it wasn't an issue and I didn't even realise it was an issue. And, and this is where it becomes really complicated. I think... Um, you know, you get that message when you're really young from just society, no one in particular. I mean, my parents are great, everyone's great, but even the three or four-year-old, you know that that's not the thing to be done. Um, what, what's not? I think just being trans or, or whatever, mm. um, or being a bit different. Not that you know the language as a four-year-old, but you, you still absorb that message. And so I, I actually really think, um, looking back on it, I, I focused on sport a lot um, as a way of sort of distracting myself and focusing all my energies on that without realising it. Um, and, and there was a long time where it really wasn't an issue. Once I'd sort of achieved what I wanted in sport and, um, you know, I was confident in my place, the national team playing handball and, and played at world championships and all that sort of stuff, it was sort of going, well, where do I focus my anxieties on? I'm not worried about, um, you know, getting picked in the next team or all this stuff because you, you know your spot in the side's pretty good. So I think it was then that it became an issue because that tool that had been that distraction for so long. Did you have relationships through your teenage years? Uh, no, not really. Um, I was pretty... Like, I'm a pretty introverted person myself and I was so focused on sport. And um, to be honest, I think other people could tell I was different before I really realised it as well. So, um, you know, I, I didn't really fit in that well at school, you know, and it's, it's really interesting looking back... Um, but, yeah, school, I, I didn't really enjoy school that much, so once I got out of it, it was pretty good. Mm. According to what I've read, you started hormone therapy in November 2015 yeah. and you outed what, whatever... What's the expression now? Oh, I, I just came out. That's yeah. what I use. I, I'm, I don't yeah. know if there's a new one, but, yeah. In May, in May 2016. <laughs> uh, no, so I, I transitioned in May in mm -hmm. 2016, so that was when I actually, you know, started, you know, living as a woman. Um, but I started hormone treatment prior to that, and I'd progressively come out before even then. Um, you know, I told um, two friends of mine who were really good friends of mine at the time, um, you know, earlier that year, and it's one I think even maybe the end of the year before, the time, I can't exactly remember, um, and they, they were really supportive. Um, were they shocked? A little bit, yeah. I think everyone was a bit. And so from then on, I sort of progressively came out to people... Um, until I, was, I sort of came out to my mum in November and then I, I got back. November, I was over November 2015. 2015, yeah. And then I was overseas at the time and I got back a couple of weeks later and um, told my dad and my brothers and then I came out to, again, more people after that, but came out to everyone uh, probably around February 2016. Was it difficult? Yeah, it, it was really difficult. Um, you know, it was one of those things where... If I could, I would have done it a lot earlier. Um, but I wasn't going to come out, uh, aside to the people I'd already told, you know, before I told my mum. Um, 
and I just didn't know how to do it. I knew she would be really accepting. I knew I knew everyone would be, um, but I didn't want to hurt her, I guess, because mm. it is, you know, as much as it's a non-issue, it is actually, you know, it's, it's a really difficult thing mm. to process. I really agonised over telling my mum for probably a good eight, nine, ten months. From when I knew I absolutely had to do it, it, it took about that long and um, I, I came out to her... Um, simply because, for whatever reason, there was a moment where I just went, well, why not do it now? Mm. And, and I knew I had to take it, because if that disappeared, I probably wouldn't do it. Handball was your preferred course when you were younger. You reached Olympic level uh, in handball, didn't you? Look, it still is now. Is um, it? Yeah, it's still, it's still my main sport now, and I've always been very open about that, and, and even with the clubs, meeting them last year. Um, so I, I played at World Championships um, in 2013, and, and Oceania lost its spot then, and after that, and we ended up going through Asia, so it's been a bit complicated since. So we haven't gone to the World Championships since, but you um, didn't compete at the Olympics. We competed at uh, essentially the tournament beforehand to qualify. Uh, that was in Qatar in November 2015, yep. where events may have happened. Um, and I, pl- I played all over the place in Spain, in Kosovo, in uh, Port- Portugal. We did a bit of stuff before Spain. You said Qatar, where events may have happened. Yeah, that may be where I, uh, I may have come out to my mum while I was in Qatar. Okay. Yep. Um, and, was, and was there, was there a, a catalyst for that? Oh, look, it, it had been a build-up for a very long time. and I mean, I knew as soon as I landed I shouldn't have been there. Um, I, I sort of got off the plane and went, I've got to go home. But So you're with the men's yep. handball team there? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just a mess, you know, yeah. and it wasn't their fault, you know. It was just, And it was just little things, you know. If you're getting beaten and everyone's down, and I, I'm down enough for myself as it is and on a pretty short fuse... Um, you know, and, and that wasn't okay, and, and that's not me either. You know, I'm generally pretty laid back, and um, you know that that wasn't me. I, I knew something was wrong, and I, I think, to their credit, looking back now, they they realised that, and sort of never really been mentioned since. And they understand there was a fair bit going on, um, but yeah, look, that was probably the one tournament where I, I didn't play as I expected because I just I just couldn't concentrate, and I had a few people message me from Australia because you know during the anthems and stuff, the camera pans across and. Um, they could see my face. I wasn't there. Something was wrong. But I, I didn't say anything. But um, and no one knew at that point. A couple of people did. There were two two people back in Australia who did, um, and that was it. Who did you turn to for counselling along the way? Anyone? Uh, yeah. Look, I saw a psychologist for a while there for a long time, um, which was which was really useful. But I, I'm really lucky in that I, I have some really good people around me. But. Um, you know, it was difficult for everyone. So, mm. yeah, lo- looking back now, I, I didn't deal with it the right way. I should have probably gone to uh, more professionals than I did um, at the time in, in just mentally dealing with it. But, um, look, I, I've got some really, really good friends, you know, um, probably half a dozen who really sort of just got me through it. So when, in your own mind, when you were growing up, when did you say, this is not... I'm not, I'm not in the right place here? Um... Look, it was one of those things I think was on and off a bit. Um, it was, you know, it, it had come in waves of severity and then other times, you know, later teenage years, I suppose, it, you know, something's a bit different. And then, again, I pushed it away, um, you know, because, A, you don't want to be different. Um, even five years ago, the language around being trans and the messages out there weren't very positive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it's one of those things that was very, very difficult. Um, and so... You know, I, I really knew for certain that I had to do something, not till I was about 24. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, there was... Look, looking back now, I'm not even sure how I did it, but 
I know it was around 24, 25, where I said, no, I, I have to do something. And you haven't regretted any, any Not for of a that. second, no. no. There's things that happened as a result that I regret and things that I could have like, done differently you, that you... I regret. Oh, look, just, I think, in the way it affects people, um, you know, and it's always going to be difficult, you know, and, and I can't control that, but I could have dealt with it in ways and, um, like I said before, seeing more professionals and relying on people who are new to it just like me. But if your family's OK, yep. who else are you worried about? Uh, look, just close friends, really. Mm. Um, you know, like I Did said... Did you lose any of them? Um, not really. No, everyone was really good. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where um, it's, it's a really difficult process for people because they're trying to support someone that they really love while grieving the person that they lost at the same time. And then that person in front of them is also the person that took that person away. Yeah. So it's, it's really complicated. And so is it that convoluted, is it? That you, that massively, you, that yeah. The, per, the Callum Mouncey has been lost. Is it, do you... I, I think some people see it that way, yeah. Um, you know, and, and I didn't understand that. Um, I, you know, because I'm sort of going, well, I'm the same person, but to a lot of people I'm not. And, I, and I'm not. Um, and so that is a really difficult thing for people to get their head around because, um, you know, they obviously really cared for that person and still do, um, but there, there is an adjustment period and this is where being trans is so much more complicated than if I'd come out as gay. Mm -hmm. You're still the same person, yep. you're just dating yep. different people, yep. you know. Is it simplistic for me to say that from the outside looking in, you're uh, living life as a woman in a man's body? Is it too uh, simplistic? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I was living my life as a woman because I, was, I wasn't. Otherwise, no, now. I'm, I'm talking about now. Uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm living in a man's body now, no. No, but I mean, some of these are probably intrusive. And yeah, yeah, sure, this, but, yeah. But your genitalia is still intact, is it not? Well, I've never actually commented on it. There's been times where I've said one thing and things have been taken out of context, mm -hmm. uh, where I've been asked about surgeries in general. Yep. And I've sort of said, well, no, I'm never going to be the type of person who's going to go and get my face reshaped or my voice box changed or anything like that. And that wasn't necessarily the thing people wanted to hear. Um, they, I know the question they were asking, and, and the thing is I will never answer it because I just don't feel that it's, it's relevant and unless I'm about to have sex with someone, it's not relevant, mm. it's never going to be. But isn't it the ultimate show of faith if you sort of say that I'm going to have a sexual realignment? Would, would that not disprove any or doubts that people had? I'm not out there to prove anyone wrong. Whether I have or I haven't, it would never be for other people. Is the sexual realignment question intrusive? Do you find that intrusive? Uh, yeah, I think it is, yeah. But, I mean, it's something that people are going to ask and it's one of those things I think over time people will learn that it isn't necessarily something you ask someone um, because unless you're about to sleep with them, what relevance does it have? Mm. But maybe you will. Yeah, well, maybe, but... I'm. Mike, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was really subtle too. I know, I know. <laughs> the problem you've got in the footy context yep. is that if you're playing football with yep. women yep. and in a man's body, it raises the question, and I would ask this myself, why don't you if you love football, why don't you play with males? So I couldn't do it. Physically, I couldn't do it. Why? And also, because people, and this is the thing, people don't understand, you know, whether you've had surgery or not, the effects on your body are the exact, are the exact same. Um, you know, there are medications that people take to block testosterone, uh, and that reduces it to zero. 
so less than the women you're actually playing against. And so as a result, you know, if you don't have that, you're just not going to be able to compete with men. I mean, I know that I look quite big, but the issue is, you know, the lack of testosterone, it affects more than just strength, and this is where this conversation has always been focused. I'm nowhere near as strong as I look, and and the reason being, and, and this is really simple, you know, year nine PE stuff that people do, where your body doesn't want to lose muscle. So when it realises it's losing it, it does everything it can to hold on to it. But the effects of not having testosterone in your nervous system keep progressing at the same rate, regardless of whether you've got muscle or not. So are you saying that your strength, your ability to... I'm not sure how relevant these yep. things are, but to bench press, to squat, yep. all that sort of stuff, have they diminished since you've... Oh, hugely. Have they? Yeah, massively. I mean, look, before I started hormone treatment, I was squatting, you know, over 200 kilos and not with much difficulty. And handball's a power sport, so, you know, that, that was my job. Now I, I can't even do half that. Um, you know, hitting 100 would be difficult. Um, so that's how much it, it changes. And it's not only the strength, but, I mean, the nervous system affects force production and everything else, but your red blood cells drop, you know, to a, f- a female level, you know, or it reduces. So, you know, your endurance disappears as well, but you're still carrying around this sort of frame. So that's obviously very difficult. Uh, anything that's a power-to-weight ratio is very difficult. So you're looking at jump height because that's a leg power. can't really jump because... I've got much, you know, much reduced strength, but I've still got all that weight to push up. And I've lost a lot of weight since I started, so it's a lot more complicated than... So you were listed at... It was 6'4". In fact, you're 6'2". Yeah. 6'2". Uh, yeah. Are you, are you still 100 kegs? Jeez, if I ever get under, I will go and have a party in the street. I've been trying to get under for a bloody long time, so, yeah, I'm just on that, yeah. So the, the query from a lot of people, and Chris Judd is one... Yep that because of your physical assets, that uh, it's um, probably unfair to play against uh, girls or women. Yeah. You don't accept that, do you? I think you've got to look at it as a much broader thing than just strength or size. You know, like I was just saying before, you know, and and this is something we presented to the AFL too, Um, you know, the girls are by and large a lot quicker than me. Their endurance is a lot better. Um their ability to jump is a lot better, their recovery is a lot better um, because of, you know, my frame. The fact that I, you know, am bigger, um, it's, not, it's not a help in a lot of instances. But so, conversely, yeah. when the ball's in the air coming into the goal square, yeah. you should have a decisive advantage over the girls you're playing against. Yeah, you would th- if you're in a one-on-one contest in the square and, you know, you're just wrestling over it, sure, but that's no different to... You know any other matchup where you've got a bigger player on a player that's smaller? Like I know the Aaron Sandilands, Caleb Daniel argument comes up when people talk about, you know, should I be allowed to play? And they go, well, they're allowed to play against each other, so why not? Um, And to be honest, I think if you look at the results, it's not like I'm kicking ten goals every week. No, no, I understand that. But you you mentioned Sandilands and and Caleb Daniel. There's no question about their gender, right? But in your case, people still think that you're a um, a woman now yeah. playing in a man's body against women. Yeah. Just sim- it, that's the simplest way I can yeah. put it. Yeah, and, and look, people are going to think that. And, and I'm not out to change anyone's minds. Um, but, look, if people are willing to listen, I will always try and talk to them and tell them what's going on and what goes on with your body. And a lot of time when people are willing to listen, they'll actually go away with a different view on things. If people aren't willing to listen or engage in a conversation, well, that's when you just stop caring. Mm. 
understand. Juddy said, in Juddy's article in The Age, he said that he canvassed the views of six AFLW players, yep. five of whom said that they yep. didn't believe you should be able to play against them, yep. and the other was undecided. Were you, A, surprised, B, disappointed about that? Look, my question to that would be, just like anyone else, how much do they know about what goes onto your body? You know, if you ask a lay person on the street, you might find five people have the same answer. So do they know anything about what actually happens to your body in, you know, when you do transition? If the answer is yes, and they've been able to formulate an opinion based on that, then, yeah, you'd definitely look at it. But I think if it's just, you know, I'm going to ask you a question, you don't know really any background information on it, and I don't expect them to. I mean, I definitely don't expect anyone out there to be an expert on transgender medicine if they're not affected by it. Like, it's common sense. Um, but if they don't have that information, don't have that education, then I'm not sure how much of, you know, of that you listen to. But also, I know that there's a huge number of AFLW players there who do support me playing as well. And, yeah, yeah. And, and I play with them. How's the comfort level in the, in the change rooms with you and the girls? It's fine. I think this is one of those things people imagine there would be an issue or the people against it like to put up as a possible issue or turn into a bigger thing than it is, but there's never been an issue. Be it at Ainsley, at Darabin, Hamble, nothing. There's never been an issue. I don't know where you, how you'll cop this, but do yeah. you share the same toilet block, the same shower block? Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, look, by and large, a lot of the newer change rooms are segregated now anyway, so if there was an issue, you could do that, but there never has been. Um, so, yeah, we get changed together. We do it just as anyone else would. We talked about your strength before and the strength yep. that comes from a male body. Did you kick a goal from inside the centre square at Punt Road against the Tigers recently? Yeah, I did, yeah. yeah. Uh, you would anyone else in the women's comp be capable of doing that? Um, I think with that breeze we had, you probably would. I think Sarah Perkins would. I think Sabrina Frederick Traub would. There's a few girls who could definitely kick that distance. And with that wind, that was probably a four or five goal breeze. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it didn't sail through from the centre square either. It bounced about 20 short and bounced through. So, um, <laughs> Did it? Yeah, so look, it's, mm. it's not quite as impressive as it sounds. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll put it out there. I did it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you planning to nominate for the 2018 AFLW draft? Yeah, yep, given the chance, definitely. Yep. Did the, when the AFL said to you you were ineligible in 2017, that was for 12 months only, correct? It, it was just for that draft. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, you know, I mean, I'd spoken to all bar one of the Victorian clubs. Um, of the three, one of them wasn't interested. And of the other two, I was going to go to one or the other. It just depended which one got in first. So I'm assuming that interest would hopefully still be there. Um, and if it is, we'll just go through the motions like we did last year, meet with the clubs, see what we can do and hopefully get picked up. Do you think Do you think in your heart of hearts that you're good enough to play AFLW? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Okay. Not, not in the midfield, but, no. yeah, as a forward, definitely. Yeah, OK. There's no political element to this, is there? You're, this is just you and a person's love for football. I, I am the least political person yeah. on earth, so... Yeah. yeah. But this is not, this is not sort of a, a subtle part of a campaign... No, An awareness look, campaign, no? Look, I don't think you would put yourself through it if you didn't want to play football. No, no. Do you have any down times in, the, in recent times? when you, I mean, you, are, you know you're a curiosity now. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, definitely. And, um, you know, this is where I say I've been really lucky to have the people around me that I do. I mean, and that list seems to grow for some reason. So, um, you know, I've probably got 
half a dozen people now, three in Melbourne and you know, a couple in Canberra and one in Queensland who, you know, just get me through it if there is, you know, one of those down times and, and they're fantastic, like they're brilliant. So Have you been able to rationalise the AFL thinking in banning you from playing at AFLW and allowing you to play at AFL or VFLW? Uh, look, For I've, those of us on the outside, yeah. Judd's one, I'm another, yeah. heaps of people. How could you be deemed to be ineligible yeah, for one and eligible for another? Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me either. Uh, the AFL's excuse is that the VFL is community-level football and the AFL is elite-level football. And so, so, for whatever reasons, they're different. But I don't agree with that. The VFL has to be elite. Uh, considered elite. It, it is. You've got 80% of the AFLW players playing in it. But if their concern was about any physical damage you might cause, you're more likely to do that at the lower level than the senior level because yeah. the, the senior girls are fitter and yep. better equipped to cope with that. Exactly, yeah. And I have my own theories about it in that it has actually nothing to do with any of those things or football at all. Mm. Um, but, look, we'll see. I, 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 I don't really understand it. Um, you know, I try and figure it out, but I, I'm like everyone else, so I'm not sure. You, you're quite poised, aren't you, and, and, and committed to the direction you're taking. I mean, I've only seen you briefly, yeah. but you don't seem to be troubled at all by all the publicity surrounding you. No, I think, I think again, that comes back to my friends. If I, if I acted like, a, like I had a big head, they'd cut me down pretty quick. Mm. Um, but I I'm talking a bit more about the other side, if you needed some solace and, uh, and were just struggling with the, yeah. with the attention. Oh, look, I, I've struggled with it more than I think outwardly people realise, but I mean, I've had a pretty difficult couple of years too. Um, you know, so On this front only or, or generally? No, in, in general. Um, you know, last year and the year before were very, very difficult. Um, yeah, insanely difficult. So this is nothing really. To be honest, yeah. Do you want to share what the other problems were? Oh, look, it, it's pretty... It's been out there, you know, pretty openly. You know, I had a lot of mental health issues and, um, you know, spent a lot of time in hospitals and things like that. Mm. Um, you know, the last one was a bit over a year ago for three weeks and I've been pretty good since then and you gradually just keep taking steps to get better. So compared to all of that, um, you know, this, this is a bit of a walk in the park, to be honest. So you've established your true identity? Yeah. You have no doubts about that. Oh, totally, yeah. Mm. Yep. Your early football was played at uh, in the Albury-Wodonga area. Yeah. There were some reasonable players on your school bus, weren't there? Yeah, there was a pretty strong strong group of players coming through there. I mean, we had Ben McAvoy, John Segler, um, Jack Siebel. Uh, we had another couple who were drafted and didn't play or on rookie lists and didn't play. Uh, it was a pretty strong time coming through. Did you play? You played boys' footy with them, correct? I played against Ben. I played cricket with Jack. He was the age group below me in football. Um, and John I played cricket with as well, and I'm pretty sure I played footy against as well. But, it, you know, you're sort of, it's a small, small sort of area, so you cross paths a lot. And, um, yeah, we, we had a pretty strong group coming through, and I, I was nowhere near any of them, so it was fine. <laughs> if there's a, any kids out there of whatever age... Yeah that are wrestling with the same problems that you did at, um, at the same age, what's your advice to them? Look, first of all, I'd say don't push anything. Don't come to a conclusion just because you want an answer. You know, you need the time to figure it out. Um, and even if you have figured it out and you don't know how to come out, don't stress. The, the right time will come. I stressed over it and it drove me insane. Um, you know, the right time will come where you feel comfortable and things will be okay. 
people are a lot more accepting than you realise, much more accepting than they've been made out in the media with me. Um, and the world is generally full of good people who want you to do well. So Thank you. Yeah, you've been very brave and uh, I wish you good luck from here. No worries. Thanks.